Well, hey, Mountain. Good. You're glad you're with us. Uh, you know what? Life itself is just a phase. Don't miss it. Life comes at us in these like this burst of seasons and stages, and while we're in them, we think they're going to last forever, but they don't. Just like that, they're gone. Whether you were a little kid or a middle, uh, you know, a, a middle school or a high schooler or a young adult or a middle ager or an old person, <laughs> it's just a phase. Don't miss it. Teach us to number our days, Lord, that we may. Gain a heart of wisdom. That's what we're praying, and that's what this whole series has been about. We've talked about a lot of different phases. Today, Father's Day. Hey, next week, uh, we're going to do a message that we call the Three Chairs. A really important weekend, and you don't want to miss that. Bring someone with you who, who just needs to check out Mountain, hear who we are. Super important uh, check-in. And then uh, on Sunday at 1 p.m., we have a baptism splash outside. If you're not taking that step, we have a big pool outside. Some of you need to take the plunge. We're ready for you next weekend. But today, happy Father's Day. You know, the big question is, what do you get the dad that's the perfect gift? This is like the big pressure, you know. It's like, how do you get the perfect Father's Day gift? My kids always argue about it. Some want to do this, some want to do that. They can't ever decide. It usually ends in a tie. Um, I told them this year, I said, why, why don't you just get something that everybody can get something out of? And so they got me a wallet. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's working. Actually, I, this is totally serious. This is totally serious. Um... Our anniversary falls right around Father's Day a couple days ago, and Carla already got me a gift. And would you like to see what she got me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not kidding. An iron. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Iron your own dang shirt. How, how, you know. There you go. I'm beginning to wonder if I should have maybe got her that uh, drill for Mother's Day. I don't know. But maybe that was part of it. Actually, in all seriousness, I, I do have a gift my kids gave me a few years back. And I, my extreme humility makes it hard for me to tell you this, but I'm going to go ahead and press through. I got this gift a few years ago. It was such an honor. I don't want to brag, but can I show you what they got me? I mean, really, it's a golf ball. And on it, it says, number one dad. Huh? It's me. <laughs> I'm like the greatest dad in the world. Which really, I know, must be disheartening for some of you because you're like, who knows where you fall? Like you could be like maybe not even in the top 100. Somebody's going to get a t-shirt this year and it's going to say world's number 1,457,321 dad. And that just, don't be discouraged because you're not the number one dad. But I am and uh, so that's why I'm here today, I guess. I'm the greatest dad ever. <laughs> says right there on my golf ball. You know, the best gifts do come from your kids because they're just trying to build it up and encourage you and say thank you, hopefully. Uh, you know, you may be seen sometimes kids will give gifts like homemade. Those are the best kind, aren't they? The best kind. Like, like a homemade foot rub. My kids are in this service. I'm just saying that just to check that out. But, you know, sometimes they'll make up a little something like, like this little girl, Leilana, I think is her name, Leilani. She gave a little card to her dad. You've seen this. You spell out father, F-A-T-H-R-F, means, you know, for fantastic, A, because you're always there and so forth, right? And that's really cute that they, that they would do that, F-A-T-H-E-R. Way better than a golf ball, way better than an iron. Um, I, th I would like to give uh, some gifts today to all of us, especially to dads. 
granddads, dads, new dads, soon-to-be dads, stepdads, foster dads, old dads, used-to-be dads. And I think as we open them up and talk about each of the things that, we, that I have to share today, I think it will be a blessing and a challenge and maybe even healing and hopeful for all of us, whether you have a dad, don't have a dad, or a kid, a mom, a wife, whatever. I think there's something here for all of us. And it also comes in the form of an acrostic, so let's get started and spell it out. And the first thing I would say that's actually going to be in the form of a gift here is that being a dad is difficult. Who can say amen to that? It is. It's just sometimes hard. Now, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that in the Bible, it makes it clear in Psalm 127, Psalm 127, verse 3, children are one of God's best gifts, a generous legacy from the Lord. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children born while you're young. Oh, how blessed are you, parents, with your quivers full of children. It's a great reminder that kids really are awesome. They're a treasure. They're a privilege. They're an honor and all of that. But let's be honest. There are some days when you don't want a handful of arrows. You want to take those arrows and put it through Thurman's forehead. Maybe your own. Because sometimes being a dad is not easy. It's hard. So it's Father's Day. We've got to have extra dads in the house. So in order to keep the dads engaged, we've got lots of pictures and videos today. And here's the first one, Jim Gaffigan, about how hard it is to be a dad. Watch the screen. I uh, recently became a father. Thank you. Became a father for the fourth time. Never as much applause on that part. Really no applause, right? Because after the third kid, people stop congratulating you. <laughs> then they just treat you like you're Amish. <laughs> Four? Well, that's one way to live your life. <laughs> Can you build us one of those wood fireplaces? <laughs> Four kids. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. <laughs> and then someone hands you a baby. The good news is we live in a two-bedroom apartment, so I fought it through. I haven't slept in seven years. Four kids. Bedtime is a crisis. That's why I'm here right now. It's too hard. They act like they've never been to sleep before. Bed? What's that? No, I don't want to do that. Then it becomes some hostage negotiation, but in reverse. Look, if you stay in there, I will give you whatever you want. I will meet your demands. What do you want, a helicopter to Cuba? Anything. Just stay in there. There's always one awake. Like they're taking shifts. All right, I'll annoy them from midnight to two. Who wants three to six? Now let's lie down and practice kicking them in our sleep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, being, it's hard. 
you know, and, and it, it's not just bedtime, right? It's the whole deal. The whole deal is, is hard. You, you know, there's crazy schedules and uh, the issues that come up and you trying to keep your job going and work going and your other relationships going and the money and the time and the space in the house never seem to be quite what you want. And then you got the whining kids and the fussing siblings and all of the drama and the trauma. And, and it's tough. But, you know, it's not just the surface level part of, of being a dad that's hard. I would also just remind us. Uh, this is war. You know, I mean, in a very real way, there's a spiritual enemy at work against any godly man that tries to step up and be a godly father. And in fact, any family that's trying to stay together and grow together in good ways has got a spiritual enemy. Anyone who pursues a relationship with Jesus knows this, that there's a spiritual enemy at work. He's against singles. He's against women. He's against kids. He's, he's against dads. And the Bible actually says he prowls around like a roaring lion, which is just one more caution about the cat thing, but stay with, stay with me. And one of the things that this spiritual enemy wants to do is to convince a dad that you can't do it. He convinces dads, he gets them to feel like they can't, you know, you compare, you start comparing is one of the big things that dads sometimes do. You look at, you look at these other families that seem so perfect and the kids are so well behaved and they're all succeeding and doing well and all of that. And you look around and, you know, you've, you've got pipes that are busted and your wife in sweatpants and your kids talking back and it just doesn't look like it. You compare this Facebook family with your own and we feel like, man, I'll never get the number one golf ball, you know. The truth is, most dads feel inadequate. It's kind of like a well-kept secret, but it's actually true. I hear it all the time. I see it. I feel it myself. Dads are walking around trying to, trying to act all competent and together. And, and uh, you know, on the inside, a lot of us feel like, gosh, I don't quite measure up. I've let my kids down. I've let my wife down. We're failures. Uh, like we don't have a clue, don't have a plan, don't really know that we're doing it right. Supposed to be good at everything from plumbing to cars to computers to finances to, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, the counselor, the advisor, the judge, the janitor and, and all this to act like we're competent. But we're not. So it's hard. It's hard. It's war. There's spiritual stuff. It's all this stuff. So let me give some encouragement today. And if you've ever been in that situation in life where you felt like this is hard, I don't think I have what it takes. I don't know if I can be all that I'm meant to be, whether you're a dad or anyone else, especially for dad. Second Corinthians chapter 3 has these words. It just says we can have confidence, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from where? It comes from God. The abilities that you need come from God. It's the key to being a great dad is to realize that you're not perfect. That, that you can't do it all, but, but that your competence comes from God. Competence is your ability to do what you need to do, to have what you need to have, to, to say what you need to say. And God says, I got your back. I'll be there. I'll help you with it. I'll supply your every need. Paul could say those words because he was a guy who presented like he was all put together and competent. He had all the degrees and all the bravado and was up front of people all the time. But inside he had these weaknesses. He had stuff. He said, God, you got to help me get rid of this problem. And sometimes God said, I can't get rid of the problem, but tell you what. And he says in, first, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Paul, my grace is what you need. You need, you, need, you need my help, my assistance, my undeserved love and favor in your life, and I'll give that to you. My grace is sufficient. 
I know you want to be super dad. I can hear God saying through this verse to a lot of guys. I know you want to, to have credit for keeping it all together and being omnicompetent, but you're not. What you need is more of my grace. My power works best in and through your weakness. So now a dad can say, I boast about my weaknesses. I don't have it all together and I'm not afraid to tell you. That's because I know then the power of Christ can work through me. Do you see how that works? It's a paradox, isn't it? But you have to be able to admit your weakness. So dad, it's okay to admit that you're not super, super competent in everything. And that confession is a crack where the light of God's grace comes into your life. And your kids, after all, need God's grace and competence and power and strength through you more than they need you. They need God. So, is this making sense? So, let your kids see you go to God for wisdom when you don't know what to do. Let them see you call out to God for provision when you're concerned about the money being tight and depending on the Lord and trusting Him. Let them hear you say, I don't know the answer to that question or I don't understand let them hear you say I'm sorry I messed up I need your forgiveness when you when you do you don't have to keep up the appearance of being a super dad his grace is what you need let me just ask you know dads is there a situation at home where you have you're stressed out and you're 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 worried about what's going on. It's a situation with one of your kids. You can't control the outcome and you're not sure what to do about it. But maybe rather than talking to the Lord about it and going and counting on His competence and strength to come to you through your weakness, you've been trying to do it all yourself. So this is a good time to draw on the strength and the wisdom, the power and the competence of the Lord. By His, in, in our weakness, we are strong. So being a dad uh, is difficult, but the encouragement is there is the strength of the Lord. The other thing we could say is this. Being a dad is an adventure. Huh? It's an adventure. Too many dads see the home as this unfortunate add-on that threatens to pull you away from all the exciting and thrilling aspects of what it means to be a man. The real adventures of life. And so as a result, we put in minimal time to keep the wife off our back or, or engage enough to sort of appear that we're, we're, we're being a dad. But listen, being a dad is just a phase two and it's meant to be an adventure. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. John Eldridge says this, Deep in his heart, every man longs for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And I think he's right. We're born for adventure like that, for doing battle. And the real place that works itself out, you don't have to leave the family for it. In fact, it's there. They are the ones who are counting on you to step into the adventure where you take up for them, where you engage deeply, where you care passionately, where you provide, you protect, you dive in deeply with the kind of adventure, adventure that can provide more thrills and adventure than any you know, sports car or, or hunting trip or any other kind of thrill ever could. You, you become a foster dad, for example, and you've got this kid has got emotional needs or whatever, looks up at you and grabs your neck and calls you daddy. You're in for a ride of your life. It's going to pull your heart and twist you and it's going to be hard. That's an adventure. 
If you're a single dad or divorced, you're walking a high wire you're, while you're juggling finances and work relationships. And this is real. There's stuff at stake here. There's no safety net. And lives are being formed. Your legacy is being hammered out. And you don't know how it's going to turn out. That's an adventure. Don't miss it. But dads, listen. You won't get an adventure out of parenting if you don't opt in. We got all kinds of fathers with children. What we need is more children who have fathers who are there, who realize it's not a part-time gig, who are willing to risk moving past kind of casual surface level fathering, trying to get by just to get a passing grade and so forth, but who will go all in. I'm going to try to explain a turning point in my life, and I don't know if I'll explain it very well or if it even makes sense to you, but it might click with a few of you. Our son Nathan was just a baby, like a couple weeks old. This picture was taken after that, but you get an, you, you get an idea. He was a good kid, happy kid. He didn't cry a lot and everything, but one particular night in our home in Tennessee, he was out of control, just like something was wrong. I don't know, maybe he had gas because... Nathan still has that problem, so maybe it was then. But um, so anyway, he won't stop crying. And Carla comes to me. I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but basically, just kind of without a lot of words, just handed him to me, like, here you go. Like she's done. And she turns around, goes into the bedroom, and closes the door. And I, I'll, I'll admit, what I, what I thought to myself was, I got this. I'll, I'll babysit a while. How hard can it be? And there I was, rocking this bawling baby boy, going to have a little dad-son time, except he won't be quiet. I rocked him, I patted him, I held him, I put him down. I tried feeding him, I tried the pacifier, I tried looking in his diaper. Thank goodness that wasn't the problem. But he would not stop. I sang to him, I took him down to the basement, talked to him, tried to have a little conversation, reasoned with him a little bit. Nothing going on. I remember holding him out in front of me with his little legs like kicking and his red face just squenched, just like, rah, just like wouldn't shut up, just going. He was a little human. He was a little human. He was like a doll, but he was human. And he was right there. And that's when it kind of had this moment where I felt the presence of God. I felt like God's here looking at this whole thing, and I'm looking at this kid, and I realized this is, this is a human, and I'm his parent. I'm all he's got. I'm his dad. He's counting on me. Because part of me is like, you know, head back upstairs. Carla, this ain't working. <laughs> There's been plenty of times in my life I've done that. But in that moment, I decided I wanted to be the kind of dad who didn't opt out. I wouldn't want my wife to do that. To sort of just check out and allow herself freedoms. Assuming that it's primarily her job. Not just to get a kid to quit crying, but to be there, to be the dad. I don't know if it makes sense to you. I just decided I wanted to be a parent who would go all in. And when you do that, it's an adventure. An adventure, a thrill that's exciting and scary all at once. You can delegate a lot of responsibility in life, but you can't delegate your responsibility as a father. So Ephesians 5 Ephesians 5 says something interesting. Verse 15, live your life then with a due sense of responsibility. Not as people who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time. Don't miss it. Despite all the evils of these days. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. 
Dads, there's a sense of responsibility that you know to be the will of the Lord. And the truth is, a lot of dads don't want to hear it because we live in a time where it's an epidemic of us dodging and ditching and, and heading out and checking out. Not just absentee dads, but dads who are there but not fully engaged. And for years and years, I hid behind my work and let Carla carry way too much of the freight. But listen, listen. The greatest adventure by far is being is found for a father who's fully engaged and all in. You just hang in there when your teenagers got all that trauma and drama. You go through puberty again with your kids. You try to figure out what to do when the birthday party goes sideways. You, you, you just try all the things about parenting. You don't walk away. You don't put your head in the sand. You don't avoid the whole thing. You just you stare into it because this is your calling. This is your stuff. This is your turf. These are your kids. They need you. Find your strength in the Lord. Man up. Buck up. Get in there. That's the adventure of fathering. And yes, it's risky. You, 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 you have to run the risk of failure. That's what makes an adventure. You can pull away and live your life in a calculated, safe little way where you feel like you can't fail, but you'll miss it. Guys, we're hungry for adventure. We know we're meant for more. We live in a society where, man, we hardly do anything that's really risky. I mean, most of us will go our whole lives and you will never actually be really hungry or really thirsty or really hot or really cold. We don't even know what it's like. So this is why men are lost in a, in, a, in a sort of swamp of video games and porn and laziness and self-indulgent childish behavior, but it's shriveling our souls and it's shrinking our capacity to rise up for the adventure that God put us here to fulfill. The real and best adventure in life, you know what it is? Pursuing a real dynamic relationship with Christ and living out His will. That's adventurous. Christianity isn't this boring, tepid, safe, innocuous, watered-down, prudent, institutionalized, cautious thing we've made it to be. The early Christians, they were living an adventurous, risky life. And you add in fathering, and it just adds one more exciting dimension to it. So don't settle for mediocre success when you could have something amazing, even if there's risk involved. Take the risk. Don't withdraw. Don't settle for a button-down bourgeois Christianity. And don't settle for a dad that just kind of is there but not fully engaged. Engage. Dare to risk. You might fail. Yes, that's the adventure you're born for. Being a dad. You know what else it is? It's defining. It, 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 is the, it is such a huge shaping influence on all of us, our dads. Whether we had them, didn't have them, had lousy, awful, abusive dads, had wonderful, doting dads, overprotective. Whatever our dads were, it, it, it's a big influence on our lives, isn't it? Whatever they were or weren't. In the Old Testament, there's these, all these lists that talk about this all the time. It'll say so-and-so. They grew up and they went the ways of their fathers. They abandoned the ways of God, just like their dads did. Or they walked in the ways of the Lord, just like their fathers did. We know this to be true, not just physically dads are defining, but in lots of other ways. There's a new book out by Paul Rayburn called Do Fathers Matter? It's not a Christian book, but it's all about um, what science is telling us about what the parent we've overlooked and it's showing how important the role of a father is uniquely as opposed to a mother in a home and, and what we miss when we don't have it. 
And I won't go through the list, but there's this, a lot of amazing findings that science are, is showing through scientific experiments and lots of controlled testing over a period of time. But I won't, I won't take time, but you know, I'll just mention a couple. Uh, interactions with dad that are playful and affectionate, kids that had that, they do tons better with their peer groups later on socially, for example. Fathers are important for language development with kids. They matter more than mothers. Mothers know the kids so well, they communicate without a lot of words. Dads are usually less in, in aware, and so when they communicate, they use words the kids don't know, and the kids learn more. Ch children whose fathers play with them, read to them, go on outings, they have fewer behavioral problems in school years, and less likely to get caught up in delinquency, criminal behaviors. All these studies that show criminal and adolescent trouble is connected to the role of the father in early years. Girls who have a warm relationship and spend a lot of time with dad, especially in the first five to seven years of their life, they have a tremendously reduced risk of um, early puberty, early initiation of sex, uh, teenage pregnancy, and all, all kinds of things. Sons who, who have fond childhood memories with a dad are much more likely to be able to handle adult stresses later on in adulthood. So, so you got all these scientific things that are just echoing what the Bible has said all along, and that is that fathers matter. God says they matter. And of course, one of the reasons we know this is that one of the many ways that God reveals himself, one of the chief ways mentioned over like fi about 1,500 times in the Bible is God as a father, a beautiful, compassionate, strong, winsome father that's a model for all of the fathers and also the father that all of us ultimately need. So it's honorable, it's defining, and it's shaping. Once in a while, you know what, dads, we get it right and we do something and we realize, man, our kids come out in a way that is way better than we deserve. Um, here's a short video that will help us celebrate how dads get it right sometimes. Allow me to talk. I like to go to the beach with daddy. He likes to throw me up in the air. He's good at hugs and kisses. It was really fun going fishing with you, Dad. He sends videos that are funny. He kisses us before he goes to work. I love Dad. This one, this one, but this one. Where does your dad work? Um, in his office. I think he's a good football player. My favorite number is Daddy's number nine. Daddy's catch the football. I wish I caught the football. My favorite football team is New York, New York Carolina. Oh, for three. My three-year-old turned against me, too. I thought he was loyal. In 20 years, I think I could beat my dad in football. Or maybe when I'm 18 or 16. I'm not going to let that happen. I love Daddy because he's funny. He tells jokes. <laughs> I'd rather go hang out with my dad than chill with anybody else. He's like my best friend. The way he takes care of us, his family, how he gives back to his community. When you look at him, you know he's a really good guy, that he has a really good heart. And I think that's why I love him most. For her to say that, that's like, that, 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 that means a lot to me. You know, it means that I'm doing something right, you know, as a parent. I love my dad. Because he's so nice to me. I love Daddy because he loves me. Like I love him more than one time, like I can't pick a number that I love him. Daddy! <laughs> <laughs>
What's up, boy? Love you, boy. Love you too. It's moments where you really find out the things that your kids appreciate about you and maybe the things that you do with them and the things that are most important to them. I think being a father helps you prioritize what's important, and your kids have a funny way of making sure you know what the important things are. Family is most important. You know, football come and go. Uh, family will last forever. I will never forget this Father's Day, believe me. I will never forget this one. Pops, I love you. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Daddy, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I love you, Daddy. Thanks for being my daddy. All right. So being a dad is uh, difficult, but be encouraged. You've got strength and grace from the Lord to come through and be your wisdom, your strength, at all, you, all that you need. And being a dad is an adventure, so be challenged and uh, go for it. And being a dad is defining and it's so and so important. Now uh, let's use the time that we have left to, um, to just invite dads to give, um, to give three gifts to to their kids at any age or stage. These are things that every dad can do. Um, they're not, they don't require a lot of money or, or, or any special equipment or uh, an IQ of a certain level or physical attributes at all. These are things that every dad is called to, I think, in order to have the kind of story you want to be able to tell. First, I would just say this. Dads, uh, as much as you can, be there. Be there for your kids, physically and emotionally. It's one of the most important things a dad can do, and yet it's one of the hardest things to do because of the time constraints, and it's difficult for busy dads, and it's just hard to be there all the time. But be present in their lives. With Don't buy the myth about quality time or quantity time. Just be there. In a recent survey, nearly 75% of Americans agreed with this statement. The most significant family or social problem facing America is the physical absence of the father from the home. This is just so, so crucial. And what's also being noted is that now about 60% of us don't feel like we had wholesome, good, positive relationships with our fathers, ourselves. So we're trying to bring and be what we ourselves maybe didn't feel like we had, many of us. And this is this is why it's just so important to just be yourself. Now, we found a way to, to find a, a way to around this in our family. Here's what I would recommend in terms of trying to be physically present. It's just hard with busy schedules. So here's what we do. We just get yourself one of these, a cardboard cutout. And then we just put it up in the home. I'm just rarely home at all. But the kids see this and they just know in their hearts that I love them. And it's just like sometimes they just come and just talk to me. And I, you know, just I have that wise look on my face. And... It really kind of does everything that would happen if I were there. What do you think? Not buying it, huh? Huh. Well, okay. Some of, you are like, some of the dads are like, hey, where did I get myself one of them? <laughs> well, I'm beside myself. Um, 
actually, you know, it's a bad idea. You know what? There's this word called incarnation where God comes in the flesh. It's built into the human nature, into the human spirit, into the human creation. You know, aren't you glad it doesn't say God so loved the world that he sent his only cardboard cutout he could find to sort of go down? No, he came in the flesh. Jesus came in person, and it's for that reason we need to be there in the flesh whenever and however we can. It's important to recognize also that just being there really is only part of it. Emotional presence is important. This is so important for me, for dads. There's so many times I've come home and I've just been like, I have this do not disturb sign on my face because I've got so much else on my mind or my brain. So this idea of being physically home but emotionally absent is bad because it can still leave your kids starving and it teaches us dads to kind of live in this little world safe place inside ourselves where we move around our house but we're not really engaged so dads just do the absolute best you can to be as fully engaged emotionally spiritually and physically um in the movie, imagine that there's a workaholic father who's just hard charging and everything, caught up in his work, but he finally has a change of heart, stays home and spends some time with his daughter. Watch this clip. Allow me to tell you special. Oh, please do. Pancake. Oh. We have kind of burnt pancakes mm -hmm. and really burnt pancakes. Oh, okay. Well, how much for the regular? Oh, let me see. $3,000. And how much for the kind of burnt? Okay, let me have the kind of burns. Let me have two kind of burns, please. Perfect. Now, do we have any condiments or anything like? Uh, what do you mean by that? You mean like syrup or some oh. some honey or some jelly or some anything that might cut the cut the taste a bit. You know, I would have just went with, with chocolate sauce of, or, or honey or something. Don't but, worry, it's but yummy. But that ketchup right. is... Uh, uh, that's enough ketchup. Now, would you like chocolate sauce? Uh, well, uh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah for the chocolate sauce. Hollywood. Yeah, wow. Yes, for the lot of... Mustard. Oh, excellent choice. Brown and yellow match perfectly. I think it's going to add some mystery to the dish. Don't eat it yet. We have the hot sauce. Hey, where, what happened to the pancakes? There. Perfect. I think we should say our grace and eat. Okay. Okay. So you pray with Daddy. Now. Okay. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Please protect my daddy's throat. Please protect my daddy's throat. You never done nothing to nobody, Lord. You never done nothing to nobody, Lord. Amen. Amen. And now I'm going to dig in. Yep, dig in. And I think it's time to ingest this pancake and be a good... Hey, look, it's happening. Oh, this girl, she's gone. Oh, that's the best pancake I've ever had in my life. Can I please see the bill? Oh, yeah, Bill. $400,000? You must be out your mind! All right, so do your best to be there physically, emotionally. All right, dads, also do your best to be an example spiritually. Be an example the best you can, the best thing you could ever do for your kids. Hear me out. If you don't get anything else, shut that kid up. <laughs> Come on, Dad. Just hand him to the Dad. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, we just lost another member. Um, hear me out. If you don't get anything else out of what we're saying, listen to this. Here it is. The best thing, you settle down for crying out loud. I only got so much time here. The best thing any dad could ever do is pursue a relationship with Christ. Full on. Because that way, you've got to, I mean, like, not just go to church. I'm talking about a relationship with God where you're growing and being changed and challenged from the inside out. That's what your kids need most. That's what's going to help you then to struggle through your ups and downs in a way that will be a worthy example. You're not perfect. They know that, trust me. They know it more than you do. But the example is one who can say, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, do your best to imitate me in the same way that I'm imitating Christ. As you follow the example of Christ, they're going to follow your example one way or the other. So what they need to catch is not that you're so great or perfect. They need to catch that their example is Jesus because he's your example. Does that make sense? So do your best. Lead out in prayer. Lead out in showing we're generous with others. We serve the community because that's what Jesus would have us do. We're kind to this family right now because that's what Jesus would have us do. Lead out in those ways. It means you don't badmouth your boss or, or tear down the, the teacher at school. Or you lead out in saying church and our involvement there is going to be important for you and your, your age group and me and mine. Other families may not put God first, but here's how we're different. Here's what we do. It matters how you act on the ball field and bring your faith into everything you do. Proverbs 20 says, A righteous man who walks with integrity, how blessed are his children. So remember this. The yardstick that you use to measure yourself is the same one that your sons and daughters will use to measure themselves. I'm so thankful uh, for my dad. Um, when I was young, I'll be honest, he wasn't there a lot. He worked a lot. That might be where I learned that. I don't know. But as I grew older, to the grace of God, we ended up spending a lot of time together in our, my middle school, high school years, working side by side, lots of projects, shoveling snow, working on big projects at the camp and so forth. And through that, this dramatic, intense love grew, this deep affection that was generated, and it set the tone for our lives and our fellowship. It made me want to be like that man in every way. It made me want to have his values be my values and his God be my God. And yet at the same time, he gave me wings to fly. And I know not everyone had that kind of a dad. But you can be that kind of a dad. It's not too late. So do your best to set the right kind of example. And whatever you're doing to set your kids up to success in life with education or material blessings or gadgets and toys and experiences and vacations, make sure the one thing we don't do is miss out on this most important piece to be the best example we know how, spiritually speaking. So be there, be an example. Let me, let me just leave you with this. Dads, be love. Be love. Dads are sometimes so rough and tumble, but be love and love unconditionally. 
unconditionally. That means no strings attached. That's what that means. I don't mean just be loving. I mean be love, like embody love for them. So a kid will know beyond a shadow of a doubt to the depth and core of their being that they will have some kind of deep acceptance inside of themselves that they will know they are loved no matter what they do, where they go, what happens in their life, that they are loved to the core of their being. That's how God loves us and that's what we're meant to give to our kids. And dads, you've got to do that. No strings attached means I love you period no matter what not if you get the trophy get the good grades you know dress like I want you to pass the test get admitted there not I love you because you're so cute because you're so whatever those are okay to say you're proud of your kids but listen kids will listen and they will know if our love is conditional with strings attached We've got to learn to see them for who they are. Accept them and commit to them. Love them in spite of their imperfections and their failures and the things you'd like to change about them. And when you let yourself do that, you'll set yourself free. Some parents are loving and they're really actually, they're trying to manipulate by their love. Because they're worried their kids are going to embarrass them or not turn out right or it's going to look bad or, or it's just going to all go sideways instead of just loving the kid you actually have. So love them unconditionally. And when you do, you know what? It'll set you free and them free too. First John 4 says it this way, the perfect love drives out fear. So grab that perfect love from the Father above and share it with your kids. Let me end with a prayer just for fathers today and for all of us on this Father's Day. If you'll just bow in prayer with me. Father, so much to think about today, about the difficult adventure of the defining work of fathers. And we pray that you'll, you'll enable us to give the gifts that we need to give. But our, our hearts are also today turned um, toward those who miss their dads today because they're gone now. And we thank you for the promise in your word that you are a father to the fatherless. Father, it's very painful for many of us today to remember that, you know, our dads maybe weren't there or we never knew them or they just were not good dads. We pray for those today whose fathers have been a source of hurt and pain. We lift up the single dads and the foster dads and those who struggle to provide emotional, physical, spiritual presence in ways they, they want to. We pray for those dads who have strained relationship with their kids or whose kids have been difficult or disappointing. We pray for peace, wisdom, and discernment. God, we pray where there is strain in homes that the words of Malachi would come true in our day that you would restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. We pray for those who have been denied the chance of even being a father, though they would maybe have liked to have been. Or, or, or those whose fathering has been cut short by the loss of a child. For those whose fathers have increased the joy in their lives and provided a good example, God, thank you for that. And may that strength and wisdom pass on to lots of other people as well. We thank you, God, most of all, for your perfect fathering, that there's not a one of us here who can't say you are our good, good father. So we thank you for that. We reach out to you and pray that everyone will be blessed by what we've shared today. In Jesus' name, amen.